The wheel of time turns, and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become legend. Legend fades to myth, and even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave it birth comes again. In one age, called the Third Age by some, an age yet to come, an age long past, a wind rose in the mountains of mist. The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Welcome to the White Book Podcast, the original A Game of Thrones LCG podcast. Originally founded in 2010, as two champs and a chum, we decided to rebrand when the game relaunched in the second edition. A huge thank you goes out to Fantasy Flight Games and George R. R. Martin for this game and the world we love, and of course to my co-hosts and you, the listeners. Please, if you enjoy the show, leave us a review on iTunes or your platform of choice, comment on our Facebook threads, or even better, support us on Patreon. We love turning uh, that kind of support back into the community. This is Season 12 of the White Book Podcast. feels good to open with a quote again, even if I suck at reading them. Uh, I got to say... It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. In short, the period is so far like the present period that some of its noisiest authorities insisted on its being received for good or evil in the superlative degree of comparison only. I think that one's better written. I don't know. When Gregor Samsa woke up one morning from unsettling dreams, <laughs> he found himself changed in his bed into a monstrous vermin. That's actually my favorite first line in literature. It's, um, it's pretty good. I, I, I love I, me some Kafka. Yeah, I, I, it's like I don't teach novels, but I find ways to like work Kafka in because like he's Kafka. He's just incredible. Um, we've had this conversation before, but I'm just going to say again, like people that are like Kafka is so absurd. He's clearly writing about absurdism. Nah, that dude hated capitalism <laughs> right? like, and bureaucracy in particular. Yeah. Bureaucracy, right. Right, right, right? Yeah, anything. Yes, but like. The idea of going to work and like running in little circles was like his enemy, right? Like this isn't <sighs> whatever. Um, yeah, that's a different podcast. One yes. I'd be willing to tackle, but a different Look, podcast. When I teach it this year, we can do random uh, stuff with it. Um, so I will be with us almost entirely. But one of my students is uh, a young gay man is... Um, having his first like heavy flirt with another dude and i'm trying to talk him through it right now like 
So occasional distractions will be me reading the massive paragraphs I keep being sent as he freaks out. That is that is so foreign of a concept to me. The idea of bringing a teacher into my love life is just baffling. <laughs> oh my god. Um it is <sighs> like I'm at least four times today. Like not not even hyperbolically. Yeah. So not even hyperbolically, I've been asked relationship advice of some kind four times a day, um, which I'd rather do than read Wheel of Time. <laughs> oh, hey, Will, what's your history with the novels? Yeah, well, actually, that's partly the reason we opened with a quote today. I, I was going to say that uh, the Wheel of Time is kind of um, the series that got me hooked on kind of these quotable epic bits, you know, a paragraph or less that uh, eventually led its way to starting episodes with Thrones quotes. But uh, I'd, I'd read a good bit of fantasy before Wheel of Time, but this is the the first one that I came back to like later and was looking at, you know, web pages and forum posts of, oh, what's your favorite quote and stuff like that. So the very first line of the book. Is it's, everyone's favorite quote? Because the writing never gets better than that one line, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's all this kind of like very self-serious epic fantasy. But like, I'm okay with that. Like, I like that genre. You just have to know that that's the genre you're getting. Which, at this point, I think most folks should know before they get into the Wheel of Time. Uh it's been completed for quite a while now, though, strangely enough, I never finished it. I, uh, I picked it up on a friend's recommendation, uh, senior year of high school. And there would have been what, maybe like five or six of them out at the time, probably six, I'm going to say. Um, and so I kind of devoured those, but even kind of as I got later into that and, started picking up the new releases as they came out. I started realizing um, some of the, the weak points in his writing, which I would say uh, arguably the biggest for me is just dead air, uh, wasted extra stuffing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually kind of petered out after the release of book 10. And I admit I've never ever finished it so after several days of like mental hemming and hawing after watching the first three episodes is this the time do i do it now i bought book one earlier today so i can restart so um we're remarkably similar in college um sorry so in college, I was reading a lot of fantasy, and I read books one to seven-ish, maybe one to eight. And around then, I realized not only did I like exactly one character, Matt. <sighs> Matt, I mean, Matt's awesome. He really is. There were entire books where nothing seemed to happen. Like, yeah. not chapters, right? Like, books. 
where it was just like, oh, that he changed the town he's standing in. Look at that. Nearly the whole book. I, I'll say he he's pretty good at least having one solid, like, epic scene per book. That's but it would, it would be, you know, 650 pages of effectively dead air and then, like, 100 pages of awesome stuff. And I'm just... I just got to the point where I, I just wished he'd had a more strident editor, like, who who could tell him, please, please cut a third or half of every one of these novels. I mean, half seems right. Like, so I'm, I also bought the first book and was like, huh, I can do this. And um, there's a remarkable amount of filler. Like, not like a small amount, not like a little. It's truly remarkable how much filler there is. Like, he's just like, I'm going to describe every small custom. I'm going to describe every side character so that I can come back to them and write half a book about them when I'm not sure where the plot's going later. Um, It's just, it's, I mean, I hate to say this, but like, I think the book is just bad and I'm going to abandon it pretty quickly. Um, Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm like ten pages or something in. I just kind of picked it up and flipped through a little bit. So we'll see what I think this time around. I want to get back into it, right? Like I remember finding it in, initially and and being really absorbed in things. I would love to to have that feeling again, but I think I'm going to be really spoiled by having read uh, Sanderson so much lately and. Mm-hmm. getting really hooked on the stormlight archive which pretty obviously is is kind of sanderson's take on a wheel of time-esque uh series and story but his pacing is just so much more like non-stop and kind of uh i don't know cinemagraphic so to speak like it's it, it feels like movie pacing to me and jordan is much slower compared to that Um, sorry, doing the thing I said I was. Uh, <laughs> no worries. So, I think it's not that I think the writing is just slow. I think it's kind of bad. Like, I think that he favors meandering sentences that don't really get anywhere. Like, I think he's like, I don't think he's a good writer. Like, bluntly. I think he's probably a good plotter, and he definitely has interesting ideas. Yeah. But I think Robert Jordan is, in fact, like, for a professional writer, obviously, I'm not saying, like, he's not better than Joe Schmo, right? Like, he's better than my 16-year-old students for the most part, right? But, like, he's not a good writer for a professional author who writes 11,000 words on the, in this series. That's my hot Robert Jordan take. I I can't I can't necessarily naysay it uh along with some of that um structural stuff he he also um oh I think there's a term I'm looking for that is not coming to mind now but he he's got these kind of like canned like shorthand things that he keeps coming back to over and over like Words of like wind. 
Sorry. No, more like more like character actions. Like uh, on the one hand, like to some extent, it's establishing um, traits uh, of a particular character. Um, oh, or but he takes it to a really intense level, like where it almost feels like he was just looking for more words and mm-hmm. like, oh well. I guess it's time for uh, Nineveh to Nineveh. How did they pronounce Nineveh. it on the show? Something along those lines. You were close enough that for uh, government work. Sure. Uh, that like Nineveh starts tugging on her braid again, mm-hmm. and you know, like scowling into the distance. And it, it feels to me, looking back on it, that I probably, if I'd had PDFs of all the books, I could probably run a word search on that and discover that he pasted the same paragraph. Mm-hmm a dozen times into each novel, you know, just like stuff like that, that it's not, not a trope. It's, but it's, it's just a crutch, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so, but let's read, I'll read some more of this book before my eyes fall out of my head. Um, and you read some and we'll revisit this in two weeks. So sure. for now, let's move on to the show. Yeah. Um, let's, let's call it the premiere for what it's worth the yeah, premiere the of the three show. episodes yeah which amazon build is three episodes but obviously kind of needs to be taken together if they're gonna release those all three together right so i really love them um the show is taking from books one two and even a little bit of three for season one which like and they've mapped out like I want to say five or eight seasons or something like that to finish telling the story five I think, but and like I thought, there's, I thought I'd heard eight or more. I thought I thought they were shooting pretty long. No, I don't believe so. Um, maybe it's eight, but it's definitely not more than eight. It was, I mean, well, I'll Google it momentarily. But um, that they're going to go so much faster than Jordan beyond like beyond like that you can't shoot his long meandering bad writing is a really good sign to me it means that like they recognize the pacing issues and they're adjusting it Mm -hmm. and um the characters are basically purely archetypes at this point right like they're not really much as far as characters but given that we're doing the wheel of time that these are recurring archetypes and we're playing with the hero's journey in that way i don't mind so much and the show unlike the books really moves like really moves. The characters are constantly being put in interesting fish out of water situations. And we're learning about them as, excuse me, as a result. Yeah, no, um, I, I definitely agree that the pacing seems stronger than the books. We'll, we'll see, I think kind of, how things go with them remixing parts of book two and, and a little of three into the mix. Cause at the moment, these first three episodes, I don't believe we've really seen anything come of that. The, this stuff all feels pretty close to what I recall from um, the first novel. And uh, while I haven't read the novels uh, or in <laughs> let's say more than a decade, I did at least go uh, look up kind of a Cliff's Notes chapter summary thing so I could kind of skim through and, I don't know, probably the first 
25 chapters or so. I forget the the count. And that brought us a basically current to where we are here at the end of the the premiere episodes. Um, and, and nothing event wise jumped out at me as from being, you know, was not included in the, that summary. I mean, I'm sure super fans have it right. But like, I mean, okay. Like if you're going to adapt those books, it's going to be like 20 seasons. They're just so. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. If you're trying to like straight up recreate them. Yeah. Like, I just don't think it is remotely doable um that's good right like do it in a way that it makes sense uh i am not able to find how many seasons even though i did know earlier today whatever uh that's where i was this time it was not helping teenagers with their relationships um yeah i mostly liked it um i mean i think i entirely liked it like, even knowing where it was going, even knowing who the dragon is, and, like, I just, I thought it explained just enough. I thought it left just enough unclear. I thought the acting was, I mean, non-Dinklage Game of Thrones level. No one's a worse actor than Jon Snow or Rob Stark, right? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, if we're gonna, if we're gonna talk on that front, I, I will say... I felt the series, uh, uh, in particular in this first episode, uh, right, the first few scenes of this first episode, had a very weak opening. Uh, I, I felt all of that delivery was very, very wooden, especially um, the the Red Aja. Uh, was it Le- Leandra? So yeah, yeah, that that was all um and and Logan, that was that was very wooden and I didn't even really know what was going on until I was reading a review later about basically saying, you know, it looks like they're chasing two men and then you then you find out they captured just the one and the other one was just in his mind and I was like, uh they, they, they were trying th- that was literally them trying to ape the opening of Thrones with the White Walkers. Yeah, it it was that, was that kind version. of intense cold open and it didn't I didn't think that really worked very well. Um the opening stuff with Moiraine and Lan I thought felt very very stilted and just now we must go here. Okay. Now then we must do this other thing. Okay. Just like mm-hmm. That sort of very awkward, like people do not hold a conversation like that. Um, but it it warmed up by the end of the episode, and definitely in episodes two and three, they feel more human and like more natural. Of, and like just when you read the book, you're going to notice a lot of the bad dialogue is them sounding like they do in the book. And and that's the type of thing I want them to like improve and smooth they, out. They they do though, right? Like as the as the even this season has gone on, they are like so. Episode they are. One, I just feel like you need to like in this type of like epic series where there is such a like mental investment that you're asking of the audience. I mean, sure, you know, there's book fans that are going to be invested regardless, but mm-hmm. like their goal is to be the next game of thrones or whatever that like that's what yeah, that's everyone's wants. Goal, right like, uh, yeah. right right but to do that you've got to get the casuals and 
I feel like you just you need that really strong hook to catch them at first. And I I don't feel like this the say first fifteen minutes of this uh, first episode is going to hook people like they probably want. Sure, but I don't think they have to. That's the strength of releasing the three episodes, right? Like if you were going to try an episode you're probably going to try a full episode. And if you've tried a full episode, it ends on enough of a cliffhanger that like, oh, hey, the next one's right here. It does end much stronger. Like there, there's a reason I chose this quote in particular. Not not only does it start, you know, the first paragraph of the first book, but uh, also like that was how I expected the series to open with that voiceover. And it didn't, which threw me and kind of, put me on a negative light. Um, but then I'll admit the way they closed episode one with it was really strong. Like up until that point, I was pretty meh, but they closed so strong that I was like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm game. I'll check out two and three. I mean, and then, so at the end of one, I was fine, right? Like I was like, okay, cool. They got the plot moving already. Good. I didn't want to spend three episodes in two rivers. Yeah. So, um, I <laughs> Emmons field. Uh, sure. I hate two rivers, like hate two rivers and all the people that live there. I, like, I, I I'm not, oh my I'm, God, do I, I'm fine with it though. This is me being one of those nitpicky sort of nerds. And God, I know, I know how uncharitable people will think this makes me sound, but it does bug me. The, um, let's say, the, the cavalcade of ethnic backgrounds in Two Rivers. Not, not that I have any particular ethnicity that I want the people there. I just want them to match each other because even yeah. both, both in the book and even in the show, they talk about how isolated it is and how it's, so you know, over they time, don't get travelers have, and they people get... should have blended into more like a race or two. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, just like they 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 talk about the the strong like you know the old blood still runs strong here and whatever like it is very clearly established this is supposed to be like an enclave of this old ethnic group and then nobody looks like anybody else. <laughs> I mean that's reasonable. There should also be at that point a number of birth defects because everyone's fucking cousins. Uh, that's but, also you know, true. But we're but we're, we're going to do some creative <laughs> liberties here, and I'm just going to overlook that. Um, I just think Two Rivers is a town full of annoying people. Everyone while they're in Two Rivers is annoying. All the Two Rivers people are annoying. Like I, don't like, I, like I, no, I don't like any of them. I believe they go back to Two Rivers in a later book. Yeah, and I was furious. Like I was like I. I hate this place. It's bad enough. We keep having to have stupid flashbacks to it because like stupid Rand and Perrin never stop having flashbacks to it. And thank God Matt never does, which is probably why I like him. But like. I mean, he's the one that always kind of wanted to see the world. So it doesn't doesn't surprise me that he wouldn't think about it as much and that Rand and Perrin would kind of pine for it. And then, like, Rand is my least favorite character. Um, but like, and then I like they're like, Rand. I, man, at this point, I, I'm not sure who is my favorite. Oh, character. in the t- in the TV show, I like all three of them just fine. Matt remains my favorite, but that's partially because, like, I didn't remember much about the books until I started watching, and then it was like, oh, I got all this. Okay, cool. 
Um, Most all of this, I I yeah. will admit, while we're on the topic of the kind of main characters, uh, I was. Uh, let, let, I, I'm gonna. I'll balance this out, right? Let's soften the blow at first and say I was pleasant surprised or happy about the additions to uh, Egwene and mm-hmm. giving us her kind of initiation into the woman's circle and talk about the importance of the braid and stuff because it, it, it definitely kind of set the tone for her character and did some much needed work like setting up an importance um, for them to refer to the braid tugging later and for that to to mm-hmm. actually like make sense uh, as her trying to kind of recenter herself, remind herself of, you know, where she's come from and, you know, all that sort of thing. And I thought that worked really well and, and should set them up later to play off of it really well. On the other hand, the changes made to Perrin horrified me. He's now suddenly married, which did not exist in the first book. Yeah, I was uh, fine with that. It, in a, in a marriage that maybe is going poorly because um, she did not look at all comfortable uh, to see him and her reaction was not. Oh, I don't think the marriage was meant to be going poorly. I think the marriage was meant to be going really well. I think the problem was supposed to be that she's like obsessed with her work and he wants to like get her out of it. Oh, no, I, I definitely got a, a tense, like, oh, God, is he going to touch me? Is he going to touch me? I don't want to be touched. I don't want him to touch me. Really? I didn't, I didn't get that. Maybe. Maybe that was there. That, that was uh, what I got, at least. Either either way, the addition of a wife that didn't exist in the novel and then Perrin killing her, I feel, you know, not only cool. is that kind of a bummer trope, but it's awkward to add that where it didn't exist before. And I've, I feel like that kind of downgrades Perrin's character. So I thought it was bad in a women's in fridge, a woman in fridges way. And like, it's a lazy way to add character to Perrin, but like, it's like, I want to say like three books before Perrin gets an interesting plot line. I mean, he's like, Wolf brother stuff is in book one. Yeah, I guess I I don't like the Wolf brother stuff, but that's fine. Um, It's just, I just, I don't know. I I like that they added something to Perrin. Um, I wish it weren't that, but I like that they added something to Perrin. It's okay. the The best idea I've come up with, sort of, of what they're trying to do, I just don't think they're doing it as well as they could have. Is that for for the uh, casuals, they're trying to preserve a mystery about who is the dragon, yeah. uh, and so they're trying to show each of them doing something weird, off, mm-hmm. kind of crazy, like whatever, so that you've got that suspense. Mm-hmm. But I just I a don't think they're playing that up very well, and b I don't think they've even really played up very well that. Yes, while the dragon is probably going to save the world, the dragon is also going to go insane. I don't think they've like hit that beat as strongly as they would need to for this to to work as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that well enough. Um, so the show isn't. I'm going to do the Thrones comparison that I 
really annoys me because I feel like this is a different subgenre of fantasy than Thrones is. Yes, I agree. But like the comparisons are going to be to Thrones, but like the first two to three seasons of Thrones, the material they're working with is much tighter. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Like the actual novels they're pulling from. Yeah. Like George, who I am obviously very frustrated with for numerous reasons, is a significantly better writer. Um, while like this is going to be looser and weirder um, and like it's not going to go as many smart places it's also not going to fall off a cliff right like they've got yeah, the, they, like they have they've everything. got everything they're, they're not going to they're not going to hit their uh, the end of their map and say here be dragons Right. And like, but even more than that, like they, they're condensing a lot so they can just take the best bits Mm -hmm. rather than, um, rather than having to be like, oh man, how do we include everything? Like that ship has already sailed. So like, I think that this is going to be, have less high highs than thrones. Um, it's obviously going to be very different. It's much closer to your traditional hero's journey story, but it's um, while it's going to have much less intense highs than Thrones, it's still going to have highs that are plenty good. Like in thirteen books, they are not without some genuinely awesome moments, right? That yeah. will be in the show, even and, in stuff that I had made it through the first ten or whatever, and I'm sure by the end. You know, when they're really hitting that climax, I'm sure there's got to be some amazing stuff. Yeah. And my basic working assumption is that it's going to be more consistent as it goes on and they figure out what's working and what's not. Yeah. Like this, this isn't a show that's going to get steadily worse. It's a show that starts out with some of the weakest material as they build the world. And then they can just go like, cool, here's five seasons of the good stuff. Or eight seasons of the good stuff, or whatever. Yeah. So, like, I have a lot of faith in this to work as long as it gets viewed. And apparently, it's like one of it's Amazon's biggest hit this year, one of its biggest hits ever. Yeah, and and hopefully that keeps up as you're saying because they're going to need it because this has stolen the title as most expensive TV yeah. show, right? Where I think I'd read somewhere recently it's it's like ten mil per episode. Jesus. Well, it's um it crushed witcher in social media engagement already yeah um which is like and witcher is one of netflix's bigger shows ever so assuming that is any kind of indicator it's in amazon's top five shows ever already and that's three again three episodes before word of mouth builds and everything else right right and i do have to say that they probably give themselves a leg up over many of the other uh maybe not many some of the others uh over Netflix because they are doing a weekly release. I yeah. like, I I just keep coming back to, I, I really think if you want whatever you're doing to have any relevant, like cultural cachet, you have to like spread that out and keep it on people's attention for a length of time and to keep people 
loosely synced up in in schedule like you're i didn't expect amazon to drop three episodes the first weekend but from here on out when you're dropping one a week you can expect most people to watch Mm -hmm. that one episode at some point during the weekend that are gonna bother to watch it at all but when, uh, when you're up against something like you know the witcher like like happened with season one of the witcher last year I know Roy binged it like the morning it came out or whatever. And I think you watched it maybe that first weekend, but I didn't have the free time to make it through the entire friggin' thing for like two weeks. And then you guys were bored and didn't want to talk about it anymore. Yes. For adults. We are part of Netflix's family audience. They're trying to have something for everyone, but for kids that is not a concern for kids what netflix tells them is a big deal is what the big deal is like five years ago do you remember when mean girls came back on netflix uh, around only very loosely around i want to say 2015 16 ish mean girls was on netflix and all of a sudden mean girls was like a new movie that kids couldn't stop talking about and referencing mm-hmm. or, um earlier this year twilight the twilight saga came out on netflix yeah. we, we like, rewatched those right but the kids are all about twilight again like and that's almost a 20 year old property now right like if netflix really like netflix dictates taste to kids the way MTV used to. So like it doesn't matter for kids that it's released all at once. Like if the Netflix thing is the thing, whatever it is, it is their it's their MTV. I think that's exactly how I would explain it. So like for people our age, assuming that is the goal, the weekly audience is much better. And at some point you need people our age, right? Right. But for um but for like kids, like whatever Netflix tells them is the big thing is the big thing. No, I mean, I mean that makes sense, especially the MTV analogy. I think that really makes that idea click for me. But I, man, I don't have demographic numbers off off the the top of my head. Um, but I'm going to assume that our age and up as a like congregate still is substantially larger than the say you know, 14 to like 25 segment. So not that I'm saying ignore them or whatever, but just that like, if Amazon's goal is what it appears to be, they are going to want to spread beyond just the, the kids as it were. I agree. Um, I think they have, right. And I think their online base, their online base is clearly the biggest of all these platforms. I don't think it's like actually a concern. Oh, well, um, yeah. When it comes bundled with your regular Prime membership, then no, no, yeah. no. Net- Netflix. I mean. Oh, Netflix. Is like not. I don't think Netflix. Netflix has a reach problem. Oh, and I don't yeah. think they have a demographic Probably. problem. I think like, like I think Netflix is still what everything else is measured by. Um, and I, like I don't think Netflix needs its own Game of Thrones, right? Everything they release is going to make a bajillion dollars. Yeah, they just need their own. Like, right? You, you have- don't you don't need anything else after that sentence. You just need their own, mm-hmm. um, so that as everybody else pulls their stuff, the very first second they can, and the license will allow them, mm-hmm. that Netflix actually still has a library. 
Well, it's not even a library. It's that like, okay, so I like Game of Thrones. There's a Game of Thrones like on Netflix. I and that I can go watch right now in a day. I like, I don't know, My Hero Academia. There's a there's an anime that's just like that that I can go watch all of right now on Netflix. It's not the same, but it's there. I like The Office. Oh, The Office is gone, but there's like four other sitcoms that have the exact same feel on Netflix that I can go watch all of right now, and more of those that are the exact tone of that other thing I liked will be coming that I can watch in a day. I don't think Netflix is seeking to drive conversation. They're just trying to say, hey, whatever mood you're in, we have something for you, and then we will have and like, and we will have something new for you that fits yeah. the same tone too. So, like, I, I think that um, all the other stream services are trying more to be H uh, are trying more to be um, HBO. Okay, where they want the like conversation and the driven long thing, and they want the prestige and like, like especially Amazon, I think, does appear to want prestige based on what they've put out so far. Well, I mean. Disney doesn't want prestige. Disney wants eyeballs, but they Disney's way of getting eyeballs has always been like community interaction and like getting people involved, right? Everything from the Pixar movies to Marvel to Star Wars is creating communities around their properties. Yeah. Yeah. So they like that's different. Like I don't think Amazon's trying to create a Wheel of Times community any more than HBO cared about a Game of Thrones community. They wanted your people who wouldn't watch shows like this to watch. So, I don't know. Either way, strong props to episode one to three of Wheel of Time, and hopefully they continue to get better, as I expect they will. Yeah, strong strong props. I was just thinking, like, man, we've wandered far afield. Yeah. I hadn't even mentioned uh, a couple other minor points uh, on one and two, which were, were mainly uh, just that, by and large, the show is gorgeous. Um I admit there are uh, sometimes some scenes that feel almost like, you know, Hercules or Xena or like, you know, sci-fi channel show. I I can't put my finger on what gives me that, that feel. Maybe it's, you know, some sort of different filter they're applying or not applying or something, but like occasionally there'd be a scene where it just, it felt like a, a show and then they'd follow it up with you know some huge sweeping shot of you know rand and egwene looking out from this mountain cliff or something and i go oh my that's gorgeous um so overall it's gorgeous i i just want that to even out some of the effects work has been kind of similar i i really liked how they represented uh the magic the what is it? The one, one power, right. It's the good one. Um, yeah. Uh, that Moiraine's the using power is the bad one. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it was neat the way it was kind of represented. You could kind of see it flowing and moving and like that, that felt very natural for it. The, the Trolloc, uh, effects in general, um, were really, really good. Like, spe- especially on a bunch of the close up stuff where, they were in my mind, obviously using practical effects or what CG there was, was so good. I thought it was practical effects. 
um, that the Trollocs just looked amazing. And then suddenly I hit one random scene where they, they show this Trolloc gets a, get attacked by Moiraine. And the instant that Trolloc was on screen, I go, oh, well, that one suddenly is bad CGI after all the others mm-hmm. were like actual people. And then he got attacked by magic. And I was like, oh, well, that's why they just figured it was cheaper to start with a CG one they were going to destroy. And it just it, it was a little jarring to see mm-hmm. such good followed by one that stood out so much. <laughs> but oh, well, we'll we'll see how the budget keeps going as far as the effects. I with all of that, I have no disagreements. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, let's jump to quickly Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah. Uh, I saw Ghostbusters Afterlife, or most of it. We had minor, no issues during it um, on Sunday. And I have nothing complicated to say. Um, it is a good nostalgia movie. Yeah, I've heard mm, lots of nostalgia. Yeah, and there's some genuinely touching moments, but like they're few and far between. It's just fine. Um, I don't think it's memorable in any real way, shape, or form. Um, it's probably, in terms of quality, about on par with Ghostbusters 2, which is quite funny okay. and good, but not like, you know, no, nothing has yet to touch uh, Ghostbusters, the original, right? Like, and this is fine, and it's, like, it's good. It's I had no issues with it. I think people will like it. I, it's hard for me to imagine if you have any affinity for Ghostbusters not enjoying it. And if you don't have much affinity for Ghostbusters, it's probably not for you. It's an okay, like, seven or eight-year-old's movie. Hmm. Okay. But, like, you like Ghostbusters. You're listening to this podcast. You like Ghostbusters, right? Like, no one's listening to this podcast like, you know what I don't really have much of a taste for? Them Ghostbusters. So, like, you like Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is so good. Everyone likes Ghostbusters. Just go see it, and you'll enjoy it, and you'll be like, oh, that was sweet. Like, genuinely sweet. Good idea. Bye. Weirdly enough, I'm just throwing this out. I did see from one Facebook friend uh, who was, um, let's say, unhappy in the end uh with the movie because he said he he basically went in expecting a comedy and he came out uh he said and wound up sitting in his car and crying for 10 minutes uh after the film so uh just fair warning there may be some feels (laughs) yeah i mean i think that's i mean i I got a little misty that person is more emotionally and sink than I am. Um, I don't know. I feel like it didn't hit that hard. It was good, but like that feels real, real over the top to me, all things considered. Okay. But um, like I'm not mad that someone had like strong feelings, obviously, right? I'm not that big of an asshole. But like I don't think that that's super earned unless you have Again, like, if you are super emotionally attached to the original, that's not surprising. If you just like the original, then that would shock me, if that makes sense. Okay. I'm I'm going to have to watch it uh, very soon. Just only so much time to go around. 
I could see that. Well, we're also in the process of watching uh, Cowboy Bebop. Indeed. And much like we were saying uh, earlier, Netflix dropped the whole 10 episodes, but I think neither Aaron nor myself has binged the whole thing yet. I watched the first two, and I believe you did too. Yes, sure did. Uh, Have you seen the anime? Yes, I uh, I did not have time to rewatch the anime when it got added to Netflix, though. So it's been probably a decade since I watched it. I rewatched it. I want to say seventy-ish, six, seven years ago, with Carla because it's one of those things that, like, if I date you and you haven't seen it, you end up having to watch. Okay. Because I think it's. I mean. It's not my favorite anime ever, but I think it's the best anime I've ever seen. It's it's really good. Now I'm curious which one is actually your favorite then, but that might be a rabbit hole. Um, bleh, uh, my favorite anime is Kenshin Season 1 and 2. Hmm, okay. Like a lot of that is nostalgia, and a lot of that is the strength of Season 2, and that it was my first really anime of that type that did that kind of story. I think Bebop is better, but Kenshin has more emotional appeal to me because of nostalgia. But yeah, I think um, Bebop is, especially because it's so tight, it's so short, it knows exactly what it's doing at all times. It plays so well with action and sadness and like, yeah, Um, I think it's truly, truly brilliant and special. And I think that the TV show really, the sorry, the live action TV show thus far, and I've heard this changes, really, 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 really just wants to be the um the animation the anime it's trying very hard to carry things as simply as possible and like honestly it's not as good but it mostly succeeds um i wish it would spend less time going look it's the same thing as the anime but like i'm not mad at it it's still well done it's just not as well done so i'm enjoying it Yeah, I I don't know. I I'm warming up to the show by the end, end of the second episode. Um and I don't know, maybe that maybe there's a theme here of media that I experienced a, a decade or more ago uh, that's getting some new adaptation and I'm initially uh kind of put off by it, but um I feel like something is just not quite working for me. And I think it's maybe because it is trying too hard to be the anime. Like I was trying to kind of put my finger on this when talking to a friend earlier and, and how to describe it. Like, cause I, I think it works for some things like the intro sequence. I thought that uh, is really well done even if it is you know a near direct copy um but some other stuff like action sequences i don't think quite work in live action as they're done because they're even shooting them and like displaying them to us like an anime fight um 
when I was trying to describe this before I brought up like when I'm watching a comic book movie or something, right. And I'm seeing Spider-Man it's adapting the comic book media, right. Where I would usually see say one panel where, you know, Spidey holds out his hand with his fingers down to activate the web shooters. And then the next panel, he's already in like midair halfway over the city swinging on a line. Uh, but when I watch like Spider-Man, the no way home or something like mm-hmm. they're not going to display it to me like that. They're not going to cut from him on the ground about to do something to a near like still scene of him in the middle of it. And then like a still scene of him on the ground afterward, because that just doesn't, work the same way like in live action with human beings you're kind of ex, ex, your brain is expecting that fluid motion and continuance mm-hmm. of like how bodies and physics move and work and stuff and so then cowboy bebop is doing that it's it's not showing me the smooth spider-man shooting the line out and then swinging off from the building and continuing and my brain is not processing right, I think, when I see, you know, a real human like John Cho brace for a kick and then the next scene cuts to him like impacting someone halfway across the room. And my brain is like, wait a minute, I did not see any of how this connects. And I know that a human being can't actually like make that movement normally and so it just like kind of comes apart for me in my head i don't know this it feels like i'm really getting out here and in the weeds trying to explain it but it just it kind of breaks my brain seeing that anime style with real people i can respect that um I don't know if there's any solution to that, but I can respect that. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 all of my, the action scenes have, I mean, like, have kind of just turned my brain off. Like, I think Marvel made me stop caring about action scenes as a whole. Okay. Which is probably not the intended goal of the MCU. <laughs> probably not. Just because you've seen so much of it? or Yeah, I've seen so much of it. There's not, like, there's nothing... Like, um, action scenes used to be extremely cool and, like, do things I'd never seen. And now we've seen every superpower happen a thousand times in every combination, right? And, like, oh, I I just, I don't care about fight scenes anymore. I understand why they're there. Excuse me. (sighs) A large part of the audience really loves them. I understand all of this. I, I under, I get it. I'm very happy that, like, they help this genre that I see that I mostly enjoy exist, right? Like, and like, I enjoy this very similar to the MCU and that it's characters that I really love from another medium being translated. Um, so varying degrees of effectiveness and like the action scenes are part of the price of admission to that for me. So I watch them semi mindlessly, mostly waiting for the like story beats to happen in them. You know, speaking of the the characters being adapted to various levels of effectiveness, 
how do you feel about our characters so far? I realized when talking to this other friend earlier today that we had exactly inverse opinions on some of these characters. <laughs> um, I love Spike and Jet, and I don't care about anyone else, especially. Um, I will, like, Faye has not had enough to do yet for me to, like, figure out how the actress is in the role. Um, but I love Spike and Jet, and that's pretty much good enough. Um, I, the, the friend I was talking to earlier said that he loves Jet and, uh, disliked both Spike and, um, Faye. And I would have to say I'm the exact opposite. I'm, I'm loving Spike so far. I think John Cho is, is the highlight for me at the moment. Uh, and Faye has been solid, but I'm just not digging Jet. Appearance wise, he's he's good, but he goes back to I think that kind of like wooden forced delivery I was talking about in um, Wheel of Time. I just almost everything that this guy says feels very artificial and forced to me. I, yeah, I don't agree. I think he sounds fine. I think he's really good. I think he's sort of inhabiting the like. There's something inherently copy about um, Jet that I think is there. Huh. I don't like. I don't. I don't feel like I'm getting it. Like sort of like frustrated older copy, like dealing with situations yeah. he doesn't well, really like. Well, okay, the, yeah, there there is some of that when you, when you mention the frustrated older because that I think that's part of why it sounds are like awkward to me is it's. I have not looked up, say, an interview with this actor to see what he sounds like in real life, so to speak. But when he talks, it sounds like he's putting on a voice. Like, yeah, but like, like if, I think if I was trying to sound gruff because I was talking so, that way, like, but that's kind of what Cowboy Bebop is supposed to do, uh, right? Like, it's it's playing with genre and like that kind of tropiness and like mixing it all together. Like, I, I don't think that's against the spirit of the show at all. Like for jet to be faking it. Um, you mean not faking it, but like to be like almost a genre character, like an overacted genre character. I think the show is full of a lot of overacted genre characters, and I don't think it's always there. I think it's there when he's in genre-ish scenes. Hmm. We'll see. I'll I'll definitely be studying him carefully as uh, as I watch more episodes, since that seems to be kind of the main thing that I'm um, reacting to differently than other people that I know watching it. That's fair. Um, so, and I think this is just my memory, but in my head, Spike is much less tough and much more of a fuck up in the show than he, in the, sorry, anime. Than in, he is in the though. anime? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he's constantly like, he's not actually as like, like in the TV show, he's constantly like beating up rooms full of people without really breaking a sweat, and he's almost too cool for it. And in the anime, I feel like he was constantly getting his ass kicked by rooms full of people and barely surviving. Yeah, yeah, it it was kind of a I don't know. 
in in the anime that was definitely a thing he was cool and like felt kind of cool and nonchalant but he kept barely kind of scraping by in various fights yeah um yeah i don't so um either way he's playing bogart right spike is basically the bogart archetype um but like he's bogart in um the maltese falcon in the t- in the live action show whereas he was bogart in the big sleep in um in the anime whereas like he was still cool and smarter than everyone and everything but like he wasn't quite as smart as he thought he was and he got his ass kicked a lot for it whereas like bogart in the maltese falcon that would never happen because he was that cool and like spike in the tv show like and i i prefer i greatly prefer the big sleep interpretation but i understand why we're not doing it yeah i there's only i don't know i i guess there there's always the um uh the desire to have your your main character be the the kind of hyper competent badass Yeah, um, I don't know. At the end of the day, I'm going to enjoy this. Um, hopefully it goes for exactly two seasons and stops because too much Cowboy Bebop would basically collapse in on itself, which is part of what's so smart about the series, that it does not overstay its welcome. Yeah, oh, uh, I, I cannot... the tone is unsustainable. I cannot possibly imagine that it runs longer than two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um particularly on Netflix. They're, they're just not the type of company that would say, Hey, let's do six seasons of this. They just, they just aren't. I mean, unless it's very successful. They've had other very successful shows. We have yet to have, uh, I think maybe anything run past a season three. Uh, well, we're getting season four of Stranger Things, right? We got more than that of Orange is the New Black. Quite a few. Okay, there, there you go. That's, that's uh, fair. Frankie and whatever is like five seasons in. Oh, uh, Grace stuff. and Frankie. I did forget yeah. that show existed. Though I will say many of those do lean toward low budget, like modern day comedies. Yeah, that's fair. Which are yeah. definitely the easiest show to uh run longer but i would also want to double check the like season length on a lot of those uh because netflix seasons are also getting shorter and shorter so like does it really count as you know six seasons of something if each season is five episodes and that sort of thing yeah um i mean Seasons are almost always between eight and twelve episodes, right? Like Bebop season one, I want to say is ten. Oh no, they're they're going shorter than that, especially especially, and this may be because I'm, you know, what I've been watching, but animated stuff has, oh, yeah, has been going even shorter. He the new He Man was five. Didn't we uh, blow our own minds realizing recently that Castlevania season one was only four? No, I knew that. You didn't know that. Because I okay. remember being really I upset believe, at the time. I had my mind blown anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, okay, that's fair. Um, maybe they'll they'll keep it short and they can do more. But I'd really, really, really like them to not let this overstay its welcome. I would like this to be a nice artifact that is kind of honestly quickly forgotten, that just gets more people to watch the anime. Yeah, and I th- I think that is what will happen. I think you're you're right on for that. Yeah. All right. Uh. So light light prop for now, yeah. All right, last one. Let's do uh, last thing. I just right before we podcasted after, and before my son cried himself to sleep because my wife went away. Oh no! We took him to see Encanto, which is the new Disney movie. I don't believe it's actually Pixar. I think it's just uh, Disney. It um, looked awesome for it. It was very fun quite emotional it's nowhere near like the best of pixar but it is a very fun good movie um all-star voice cast i didn't realize but it makes me very happy that stephanie beatrice of um brooklyn 99 fame plays the main oh. character uh, the one <laughs> the one voice i did recognize immediately john like leguizamo is a character and nice. the, i was like like two like the second sentence like is, is that John Leguizamo? Like, yeah. There's a guy that, I haven't thought of in a long uh, time. He's phenomenal. If you're ever bored, he has a Netflix special called Latin American History for Morons that is just fantastic. Okay. Or Latin History for Morons. Something along those lines. Um, it's pretty easy to find, but it's like an hour and it's him doing like half stand-up comedy, half performance art about Latin American history. It's just, he's, everything he does works. He is a brilliant, brilliant man. Um, So unsurprisingly, he's one of the best parts of this movie. It's all around really fun. Um, If I had to compare it to a Pixar movie, um, it would be somewhere below the very top tier. Right? Like, I don't think it's like Toy Story 3. Like, he doesn't have the emotional punch of the very best Pixar. But, like, in terms of just sheer entertainment, I wasn't less entertained than I was in, say, Ratatouille. Okay. So, very good movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's no, it's pretty high up there. Like, it's worth watching. Yeah. All right. It sounds like we're done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's impressive for us. Uh, it's because there was just two of us. If Roy is here, we would still be in the weeds on Wheel of Time, I think. Uh, that is true without any kind of question, although we still did a solid hour, hour and change. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we're good. I think we uh, did not overstay our welcome, just like we don't want um, Cowboy Bebop to do, because... Otherwise, we would be in the danger zone. not the beginning there are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time the wheel of time jeez
Wow. You're, someone's out of practice. I am. Oh, my goodness. All right. <laughs> that was like the last sentence as even. All right. Ugh, try this again. Three, two, one.